And now, he's been promoted. His job, principal. Good morning, everyone. This is Uche Njoku, Sneaker Principal, and welcome to the Sneaker Principal Podcast. It is Friday, December 17th, and I am coming to you from my car. I am driving on the Eastern Parkway heading to um, work this morning, and um, I wanted to uh, jump on and, first of all, thank you, those of you who, who um, engaged in my last uh, three episodes, which are actually the first three episodes of season three of the Sneaker Principle Podcast. Um, and in those in in those three episodes, I kind of like, um, not kind of. I actually did focus on this whole notion of, you know, authority versus uh, versus leadership, and asking those of you listening to join me in, in this self reflection of whether we are authority figures or we are leaders, and just kind of as a review. An authority is someone who's been put in that who's been put into a position to function as the authority. You know, not necessarily the authority as far as being an authority on a topic, authority on being an authority on a subject, but being the authority figure within the structure of, a, of, a, of an organization, like for example, a school. Um, and then a leader is someone who literally leads. And in leading, it could you could be leading from position of authority. Or, and, and quite often, leaders lead because they um, step up to to a unimportant position of being the voice of of those who um, have something that needs to be addressed or issue that needs to be needs to be focused on. And the leader tends to be the person who says, "You know what? I will step in into the position of being the voice or being." The action, the action of this thing, and an authority figure and a leader can be the same. Can be one. Can be the same in one. Um, but unfortunately, quite often we see them in two different spaces. You have found an authority figure, and being on one side of, of the pole, and you find a leader being on the other side of the pole. And usually, the authority figure and the leader are usually bumping heads. Um, but when the authority figure and leader become one, you know, either as far as in cooperation or you have an authority figure who is a leader at the same time, um, then things can be very interesting and things can work um, to, for the good of the, com- the community within which the leader um, slash authority figure um, functions in. And, uh, and again, it's our responsibility as um, leaders, hopefully authorities who are also leaders, to create capacity for other leaders to step up. Like I'm a believer in, I cannot be the the sole leader over the of the organization. There has to be um, other leaders who are developed. You know, preferably within a chain of command or, or a table or table of organization, where you have assistant principals who are leaders. You have like at least in the school spacing space, assistant principals who are leaders, deans who are leaders, teachers who are leaders, students who are leaders, and create space for these people to have voice to really impact the overall community. Uh, for the good, for the good of all. Um, so that was the conversation, at least the the commentary that I made over the last um, three podcast episodes. Um, in this episode, I want to take um, some time to really engage in a conversation, or at least um, a spark a conversation 
around um, financial literacy. And somebody might say, okay, that's a very different topic from talking about leaders. Um, remember what I said about leaders. Leaders tend to be those people who you know, actively take on challenges or problems of practice or just problems in general that they see within the community and they speak, they speak to that. And in my personal leadership, one area that I've known and, and I've been trying to do something about is really empowering um, or creating spaces for the financial literacy within my school. And, and, and now I'm really trying to get other leaders, you know, to actually, you know, engage in conversations on how we can expand financial literacy across the board. But you might ask, but why? I've always found it interesting that in schools, um, when we talk about um, uh, financial literacy, oh, no, let me, let me, let me, let me um, roll that back. In schools, there are all these mandated things, you know, things that have to be done. And we know the, the, the core and the, and the foundation of, of our schools, you know, as far as education is concerned, is the, the four primary content areas, math, science, English language arts, and social studies. Then you have other areas that, that are just as important, and those are, I, I would call the secondary spaces, so we're talking about physical education, health, um, the arts, and um, these subjects are all intertwined, or should be all intertwined to be, as, uh, to be the foundation of um, building, you know, active, um, productive citizens. And that's what we want our students to be. And um, again, they should be able to read and write and be able to um, engage in critical thinking and intelligent conversations about what's happening in the world and be able to take to um, be active in those spaces. Um, and then you have other things that are, are required. Health education, sex education, HIV and AIDS, um, um, internet safety. Um, there's all these, you know, tertiary but necessary spaces that um, exist, you know, and are required to be taught in schools as well. And these are not, you know, year-long, semester-long courses. These are courses that take a couple of weeks, a couple of lessons, but are mandatory, right? And again, another one is another big one is is social emotional learning. You know, embedding that into our classrooms, allow schools create advisories around them. Like you know, like these are mandatory, and we know why they're mandatory. We want our kids to be literate. We want our kids to make smart choices. We you know drug you know dr drug um, in health class we talk about drug usage and and uh, things of that nature. We do all this because we want our kids to be you know thinkers and make good choices and and um, to be able to eventually live productive lives. But when it comes to financial literacy, I've always wondered, okay, because there's data to, to support this. Um, most divorces, you know, marriages end in divorces a lot of times because of finances. Um, um, most, most young people between the age of, of graduating from high school and 25 find themselves in financial ruin or at the brink of financial ruin or just having a tough go financially. Um, uh, most brilliant students who go to college and get that college degree walk out with a lot of debt. And often, 
their first years of, of earning, you know, what they're earning don't commiserate to being equal equal to or in balance of their debt. So they end up, you know, living in a negative. You know, it's never they're always stretching to make things to make things fit uh, um, as far as being able to manage their bills. And um, and this is something that is not like a mystery. It's not foreign. I, listen, I'm a, I was a victim of that. And, and to, to a certain extent, I am a victim of that. I'm still paying student loans. Um, and we and and not only that, this is something that most of us are have direct experiences with as, as educators, as teachers, as principals, as assistant principals, as superintendents, as policymakers. We have direct experience with these things, you know, and um, as human beings, we know what financial uh, financial issues can what kind of issue. Why, how, we know what what kind of financial problems that financial illiteracy can cause, you know. And um, again, it's not mandated. It's not mandated that, that young people understand credit. They understand real estate. They understand, you know, um, the banking system. Not mandated at all. And so my, my I, I mean, I can ask why, and a lot of people have asked why not. And I have my own, I have my own answers, but I think my answers are going to place, will be placed in the realm of, of conspiracy theories. So I'm not going to go there. But I do know one thing, though that financial literacy is essential. I do know and, and, and one thing, another thing is that, you know, you know, being being able to understand these systems and apply them into your own personal lives will save you a lot of grief. And even better yet, could put you in a position to actually um, be able to retire or live a life that is so much more financially free, so much more financially buoyant. Um, but again, it's not being taught in schools. At least it's not being mandated in schools, unless maybe it might be a charter school or a private school where they might say, hey, we feel this is very necessary. But in public schools, it isn't. But does it mean it cannot be taught? Absolutely not. You know, this is a space that requires leadership. Whether it's leadership from from the authority of the principal or leadership from, from the passion and the forward thinking of teachers and other members of the community. But again, this is something that can be done and should be done. Some of you might say, but how, when, where, how is this possible? With everything else that we got to do, how do we find a way to do that as well? Um, I can tell you this, in, in my space, in my school, um, I, I, I taught a financial literacy course as elective as the principal, um, which, which um, of course, uh, was great, but kind of hard to, hard to sustain because you do need someone who knows the content. It's not one of those things where you can just say, here's a lesson plan, teach this. Because one thing about financial literacy is so experientially based. Like you have, you have to have the, the connective tissue around it to really be able to you know, impart the knowledge on other people. It's one thing to read, this is what you do. It's another thing to read and, and also give anecdotes to like, based on personal experience on how these things work. And um, so, I, so, like I said, I, I taught a financial literacy course, and then um, and and what was great about it is that that my students, I think, I think they loved it. Um, some of those students still, uh, we still have conversations about, you know, 
things have to do with, with uh, finances. Um, but however, um, what I thought, found interesting was that often, because when I taught the class was doing the pandemic, at the height of the pandemic when we were all remote. And what I found interesting is that so often I would have emails and questions from students from family members, from parents, from siblings, from uncles, everything from stocks, everything to, to um, credit. And I thought it was very interesting because um, so the thing that I was doing for the students, you know, I found family members saying, hey, I need to, I need to sit in on this, you know, turn on, turn on the mic on the laptop. I want to hear what he has to say about this or that. And, um, and uh, that made me think more about how do I scale this? How do I really take this from just one class or two classrooms to really impacting my school community, meaning involving family members of my students, even involving staff members who might want a little bit want want to um a little bit more understanding. And the way I'm doing it is I've, I'm committing to, um, to resources to have an, 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 an off-hours um, weekly workshop or classes. Let me call it what it is, classes, that my students are be, will be part of, that my families will be part of as well. And very simple, at my school, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6 to 8, 6 to 8. Actually, we started earlier. We did from 3 to 5. We found out that three to five was very hard because a lot of my kids were still commuting, especially seeing the school close. Um, close the school that ended at two fifty, so we were like, okay, two three o'clock to, to to five is a little bit of a sucky time for for my students who are commuting and for families who are like, I'm still at work, you know. So I figured if we do from six to eight, a lot of families are really at home, so, and and not only that, we're recording the content, so you could jump on at any time, and if you miss anything, you can always go back and and watch the the recording. And uh, and again, that's what that's what I'm doing in my school community, you know. And again, I don't have the right answer. I don't have the 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 full answer. All I know is this is one thing that's working that I'm trying not even working, I'm trying in my community. The question is what are you doing in your community? You know, and one thing I want to say is this. If you're doing something around financial literacy in your school community, you know, Please share, you know, um, I'm like, I almost forgot. I'm partnering with um, a gentleman. His name is Marco. You can find him on, um, he's actually a DOE vendor and um, great, does great work. And he's been doing financial work, financial literacy workshops across the city for a lot of schools. Um, but um, you can find him on Twitter at I teach BTC. I teach, I teach BTC and BTC stands for Bitcoin. That's the ticker symbol for Bitcoin. And um, again, this is something that he's doing that um that I'm saying, hey, let's partner up in my school because I want to do something much bigger for my school community. And and like I was saying, what do you do in your community? You know, what are you thinking about doing in your community? Because the thing too here for this to work, it requires that um that we're all, you know, sharing ideas and figuring out what's working for us and what's not working for us. Again, you know, there is no answer right now because this is not something that's mandated, but I think there's a lot of ideas and I would love to uh, to share with you what I'm doing and also figure out how we can partner in across, you know, states, across the cities, you know, because this is something that's very, very, that's very, very important. And um, I'm committing resources, like I said, to making sure that 
you know, my kids are getting these things, that my families are getting these things. And again, I can't say that I have all the answers, but I do know this is necessary and I'm going to keep pushing for this. Um, I'm over here opening the gate to my, to my school. So if you're hearing all these sounds, it's me outside of the car opening the gate. And this is how we do it. This is how we create podcasts. We are driving, we are pulling up the parking lots, we're opening gates, and I'm still recording because um, technology allows us to do this now. And this is very, very, this is, this is awesome that, that I can create a podcast literally for, on my cell phone as I'm, as I'm driving and um, parking my car at school. So, um, yeah, I digress, right? Um, I want to thank you so much for just indulging me in this conversation. Again, I, am, I would love to know what you're doing and, um, and uh, make sure I'm not hitting other people's cars as I'm trying to park. And again, and, uh, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to be posting more content, um, and sharing with you what I'm doing. Um, because I believe, I really believe as school leaders, each one teach one, and we have to make sure that we're sharing our ideas, that we're sharing what we're doing for our communities so that we can really, you know, make, have a great impact on our, um, for our families. And, uh, with that being said, I want to say thank you so much for, um, for, uh, just for, Indulge me in, in again in these conversations. Um, be well, be safe, and I will talk to you guys soon. This is Uche Njoku, Sneaker Principal, and um, peace. And now he's been promoted. His job, Principal. Let's see it.